Hey there, I'm Evan DeWald and I'm joined by Tara Lindsley and this is Unpacked. We're unpacking life as messy people. So here, we do the things that we do the best. We tell stories and we share life with each other. Sometimes life gets big and messy and full of failure and vulnerable moments, but we believe that sharing those things together helps us all to grow. So have a listen. Make sure to like and subscribe. Oh boy, this week on Unpacked, we're going to have some fun today. Yeah, it's a little bit different this week. Oh, it's a bit terrifying, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Why? I think because our spouses are going to join us uh, today on the record. Yeah, I think it was more terrifying for them than it was for us, maybe, but... (laughs) Kristen always tells me when we do things together, she's like... The unpredictable part of you is scary, is terrifying, right? When we do presentations, I never know exactly what you're going to say. Yeah, and too bad for them. We took their mild interest as commitment. That's so. right. We sure, yes, you did. You definitely <laughs> pressured Kristen in on this one. It was good. So today we are going to talk a little bit of Enneagram stuff. Anyone who's listened to our podcast knows we are mildly obsessed with. And the Enneagram is this personality tool. It's used for a multitude of different things, mostly around self-awareness and and helping us to kind of discover what our motive is. There's, there's nine types on the Enneagram, and, and each of them kind of has different motives. And the way I've described it in the past is it's like, it's like, where's the love? And everybody thinks they get love a certain way. Mm. And, it, and it lives out kind of, and you get to see it in your Enneagram numbers. So it's used for self-awareness. But there's also these other, there's these triads and kind of the way that they've split them up. And different different sets of threes have different kind of ways that they see things in particular time. So today we're going to talk about orientation to time. And I think it's going to be fun, mostly because we have, because our spouses have joined us, we get to see all three different kind of orientations to time mm-hmm. and how we work through it, right? Yeah, it was really fun. So Kristen's a type eight, Ryan's a type nine, and Kristen's orientation to time is the future. Mm-hmm. Um, so is Evans and Evans a type seven Ryan's orientation as a type nine is to the past. And then mine as a type two is oriented to the present. Yep. So you and Ryan are different. And Chris and I are just exactly the same. <laughs> it's a big deal though, actually, uh, yeah. definitely. And we're going to, I think we're going to get into it a little bit, but it's like when you get stressed, oftentimes your orientation to time kind of presents itself mm-hmm. in your own story and the way that it plays out and all those kinds of things. And I know for Kristen and I, which I think we're going to share a little bit more of, our orientation to time is the future. We love to dream about the future. It's kind of an escape mm-hmm. from the reality for us. Yeah. And then there are some people like Ryan's type who dwells more in the past and reflects on the past. And then for my type, I like to live in the present moment, mm-hmm. just the now of what we're doing. Yeah. And if you can imagine, these are all good gifts, mm-hmm. definitely gifts to know them, but also every good gift comes with a bit of a shadow, right? And so it's like, only where Chris and I are dreaming about the future, then how are we working? We have to do the work to be present mm-hmm. in, the, in, the, in the actual present moment. And and same thing, we have to be willing to look into our past so that we can learn from it and grow from it and, and maybe even unpack and set some of it down, mm-hmm. but not something that we... We like doing it's right. not fun. But boy, you listen to Ryan. Like I can remember a detail from like 1990. Yeah. You know, it's, like, <laughs> it's shocking. Specific. It's really specific. But it also is really interesting. We have all types of orientation of time 
in us, we're just prone to one that's mm-hmm. more comfortable. Yeah, exactly. So anyways, I'm looking forward to today's today's episode. Also, I think it just gives uh, people a good chance to see that we have spouses and they're these incredible <laughs> people who they really are. bring wisdom and all kinds of good things and even some good humor uh, into our conversations. And, mm-hmm. and uh, we both believe investing in self-development and self-growth is important to being in healthy relationships with others and and we've got these spouses who who love to to see these things in themselves as well yeah and so if you don't know the enneagram though that's okay it's totally okay you can learn about your orientation to time without knowing your enneagram type but if you're interested in learning about your enneagram type you can uh we'll link some of our previous podcasts where we go through all the core types and we can share some other links Mm -hmm. too to learn more i know even some enneagram masters which we are not yeah who who actually ask questions around orientation to time in order to narrow down what number type you are Mm. that's kind of a so it's another way to do that it is another way that reveals that can help reveal how you how you see and what number you are on the enneagram so again we're glad that you've decided to join us i hope that this is enlightening and encouraging i hope it helps you to consider your orientation to time and maybe how it's affecting others so we're glad you decided to join us on Unpacked. We hope that you continue to follow us on iTunes, Spotify, uh, or wherever it is that you like to listen. Enjoy. so excited about today this is gonna be fun tara yeah i know it's different than what we normally do yeah it is it's like actually we have our guests are in the room Mm -hmm. and we know them like fairly well i guess so uh since we began we've been talking about how could we do a podcast with our spouses Mm -hmm. and so we got them both of them yep (laughs) and they said yes so fast to us um to be fair i got the invitation to attend before i committed I took mild interest as commitment. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right, mister over there? Absolutely. There you go. There he is. <laughs> He's here. Well, I'm doing two jobs at once, okay? He did do a real fancy setup for us. It even feels like official. It feels very official in here tonight, that's for sure. So tonight, we are going to talk orientation to time, which mm-hmm. is kind of a weird thing. You don't, you don't um, search out how individual people think about time. But actually, different personality types do think about time quite differently. And so that that contributes to all kinds of things, from how you make decisions to what you stress about to how you grieve, how you go through a lot of different things, even how you dream. And uh, so, of course, we're talking about one of our favorite topics, which is the Enneagram. And we say this every time we've done an Enneagram podcast. We are not professional Enneagrammers. No. But all of us have a passion for the Enneagram. And it's helped us in our own lives and stories, both personally, but also in our relationships with each other. So uh, I think this is going to be fun. And there is an orientation to time that doesn't get talked about very often by Enneagram experts. And we think it's really important. And so do some of the podcasters that we listen to on the Enneagram. So I'm going to give a quick kind of rundown on the kind of the types and, and what their orientation to time is. And then hopefully we can just talk and throw out some examples and some different things and learn from each other 
and maybe entice some people to look up the Enneagram and think about their own orientation to time. We'll include some resources too. Like if you want to take the Enneagram test, we'll include the link that we suggest for that. We'll include some of the podcasts we listen to and even some of the prep work that we all did to do this. So you can have the links too. Yeah. So here we go. Orientation to time. There are three kinds of stances when we think about the Enneagram. And so I'm just going to quickly kind of go through them and then they, they each have the stance has a connection to orientation to time. So the first is there are three numbers that are in the aggressive stance. So that's the, that is the three, the seven, and the eight. And um, these uh, Enneagram types are future-oriented. They think about the future. And we have a couple of future-oriented oriented people in the room. I am 100% future-oriented. And I like it like that. <laughs> <laughs> and what Enneagram number are you, Kristen? I'm an eight. An eight. Mm-hmm. That's right. And the other one is me. And I'm a seven. So uh, hopefully we'll get into this in a little bit. But you can imagine what that looks like when when we as a married couple think future. And, and we can do that. And we have done that a lot in our marriage. We think about the future. The second is the dependent types. And that's the one two and the six, and they are present oriented. They are, they're kind of fixed on focusing on the present moment. And we have one of those here too. It's me. I am a present oriented and I'm a type two. So right now you are thinking about this exact present moment. Yeah, I'm just here in this moment. <laughs> and see, I'm thinking about what drink I'm going to make myself when I get home. See, that's, that's the <laughs> future, future oriented person I am. And then uh, we've got uh, the with, the withdrawn types, and that's the four, fives, and the nines, and they're past-focused, so they, they have an orientation to think about the past. And we got one of those, too. We're well-rounded here tonight. It's going to be really good. And that is? That's me. That's Ryan. Right, exactly. And each time that... Wait, he didn't say what Enneagram oh, type. Oh, he did oh. not say what type. Good, good call. I was hoping you didn't know this. <laughs> I'm a type nine. Type nine. Type nine. That's right. Yeah. So when you guys, uh, I, let's maybe give, just give a quick rundown. Like, how has the Enneagram been helpful to you personally? I'd say for myself, it's helped in my personal growth actually quite a bit. Just to understand who I am and how I operate outside of how I think about it. So to be able to read something and and kind of look at it and go, oh, hey, this is how someone else sees me and what and how I'm doing things. It, it actually has kind of very much changed how I think about my self-growth. Hmm. Yeah. And it's not bad. No. Right? Like that's, yeah. the, that's, that's just it. It's like, no, no, this is like I'm made to see this way. Yeah. There's a bit of adjustment trying to figure it out, you know, when you first step into it. But I think once I realized what kind of tool it is and how it can help me. It's changed my perspective quite a bit. Mm-hmm. As an eight, I'm, um, I go from the gut. So everything is quick. I'm have a quick mind. Um, I think the way the Enneagram has been helpful to me is my whole life. I always was told and felt like I was too much. And there's, it is. And then I found out it's true. <laughs> that being it's confirmed. an eight is confirmed that I'm too much, but I'm not actually too much. I just need to hold myself lovingly. Mm. And when I understood myself as an eight, 
I was able to see how other people see me with compassion instead of feeling like I was too much and I should be less than myself. I'm as I grow, I'm learning that I can actually be everything of who I am and how I've been created to be. And I can present it to the world in a loving way as I figure out how other people hear and see. It's slow and hard work, so sometimes I'm not that patient with it. And it, you know, my gut comes out faster than that slow process of understanding. So I, I'm not all that perfect at it, but um, I've, as I've started to understand myself and my eightness, I've learned to love myself. Yeah, I would say the same is true for me. I've learned to love myself more. It also, I think, gave me language for even how to talk about some of the things I had internally. I am an emotional and a feeling type, and that gave me language to talk about some of what was happening inside. It also helped me to see that people look at the world differently, and I like learning about the other types. I think that's been helpful for me, too, to see like in our relationship, in our marriage, and in my friendships. I've been able to go deeper with people. And having an understanding of how I come across and then also some of the ways that I can pay attention to when I'm being myself and when stress is coming out and what that looks like for me. Mm -hmm. I like that word language because it gives you a way to talk about it, but it gives me a way to understand it too. Mm. And it also gives me a way to talk to you about it as well. I know for us and when we've done couples retreats and things like that, a big part of figuring out relationships with, with each other is finding the common language. Mm -hmm. So whether it's the Enneagram or, or other kind of ways or methods, having some common language is helpful to, to understanding where each other are at. So I think for me, um, the Enneagram has been really helpful in revealing some truths about my avoidance of, of pain. And also, I heard this, sevens have... We have emotions, but we really are only experiencing like half of them. And they're typically, we want to experience just the good half. And I, I heard a psychologist recently say that all emotions are good. You know, they're all information. <laughs> it's how you process them. And I was like, that is not true. No, all emotions are not good. But, <laughs> but that's, that was my instinct to say that. But I am learning that all emotions are good. It's it's the response that we have to them that, that can be damaging or harmful. And, and the Enneagram has helped me to kind of go, hey, maybe I can try out these like not so awesome, what I would consider to be not so awesome emotions. And I might be okay. And it's kind of interesting because even as we get into this like orientation to time here now, that actually is a discipline for people in the aggressive stance. So aggressive stance people as an ultimate practice, need to we need to kind of slow down and reflect on the past in a way. And so, so this is where, Ryan, like your number helps somebody like us to kind of go, no, we need to slow down, reflect on our past so that our emotions can kind of catch up and we can, we can be in sync with our, our present moment and, and what we're experiencing and what we're kind of going through. And that, that is a challenge for us. Yeah, like right now, my body's having a visceral reaction to what you just said. Oh, go for it. Why I'm, so? Because I hear you and I can understand how it could be true, but it's so inefficient. <laughs> 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 if you're actually trying to learn something and get to an end goal. Forward motion. Yes. Like, <laughs> why would you stop and look back? 
And why would you feel things? I do understand that feelings are good and helpful and I have feeling people in my life. So that balanced me out. But I'm just saying there's this like my in my core mm-hmm. I'm like tensing up. <laughs> and it's not even real. It's not even like anybody's asking me to do anything hard. Nobody actually asks you to share something from Yeah, the past. I'm just like mm, no. I no. Yeah. I don't think so. It is a hard thing though, I you know to agree with you actually. It's like I know that to be true and even as I read that it's one of those things where it's like easier said than done. Mm-hmm. And you know part of the the gift of the enneagram or maybe one of the skills of learning the enneagram is to catch yourself being yourself. So that you can mm-hmm. stop what what is an unhealthy trait because it is actually like thinking about the future is really awesome and it's really exciting and it's kind of a fantasy because it's not actually real. But I think that when we slow down, we get we get to have a freer future, actually. I think one of the things that I've learned about the Enneagram that I believe to be true, and which is why I feel like I continue to do the work to grow and develop the my deeper understanding of it, is that your Enneagram number actually tells you what you aren't. It tells you the lie. It tells mm-hmm. me the inner child that I'm trying to protect as an eight is that I'm vulnerable and that I can't trust anybody around Mm -hmm. me to protect me and so I have to do that myself my orientation to time puts a comfortable little pillow fort around that Mm -hmm. because it focuses my energy and all of my emotions and thoughts towards the future which is only hopeful and positive and exciting And so I don't have to look at the other parts of me that are painful or scary Mm. or I don't even know because I don't look at those things. (laughs) (laughs) And you have to have the right people around you to to dismantle the pillow fort. So I think that's why I had this visceral, visceral reaction to what you were saying, which is true. I believe it to be true that to learn who you are, you have to take that apart and get to kind of the soft underbelly but I think you have to also have the right supports around you maybe the right counselor or therapist or something also to kind of peel back those things and get to the truth of who you really are which is a lovely child of God that was created perfectly and wonderful <laughs> see what i think is so different like we're talking we're on or this orientation but it's like what i think is so different about that is that maybe this is just you but i think you know you're doing it mm-hmm. i don't know i'm doing it mm. so so to me i start feeling like something's going to be painful or something's going to be difficult or something's going to be hard and then i find myself you know buying a sailboat i'm out sailing already and i'm like you don't suppose this could be like some sort of a distraction from from something that's going on in my life like a global pandemic that struck and i'm having to you know whatever Mm. which is what happened last spring like literally went and got a sailboat so it's like so i'm doing it unconsciously thinking about the future and and even in recent years there's been several times when i've been like stop dreaming about things that aren't real and, and 
try to stay in the present moment. And then I almost immediately find myself thinking about something that's not real. It's, it's, it's a really like the future that's not real. So it's kind of one of those interesting things. And there's, there's probably always going to be a tension when we think about no matter which orientation to time we have, there is a tension because there are two other kinds of orientations mm -hmm. and they also contribute to the health of how we see our world around us, but also how we see ourselves and how we process through and grow. Um, each number on the Enneagram, each of the nine numbers flavors the orientation to time. So you just named your pillow fort, which is a major purchase or something like that, <laughs> like a bipolar episode or something. <laughs> when you said the future and you were talking about the excitement and hopeful, I was like, I don't feel that way about the future like there are moments when I the future is exciting to me and then there are moments where I'm like mm, but something bad could happen or something scary could happen so why don't we just focus on what's happening right now what because you're a present oriented the the challenge for you is to essentially lift your eyes up and see beyond the exact thing that you're doing right now in the in the present moment when you do that intentionally you get to see a, a more vibrant future. Does that sound right? Mm -hmm. So what's your pillow for? I will say it's interesting for me in work. I feel like I want to plan further ahead just out of a sense of control. But in my personal life, I'm not very good at that. I'm much happier to just like stay in my routine. Like what an example that I thought of the other day was my poor parents want to come visit all the time and they plan like six months out and I'm like, yeah, sure. Yeah. But like... The week before, let's talk about it. Yeah. Like, you're coming, but... Yeah. Call me when you're on the ferry. Yeah. Coming across. <laughs> <laughs> or my mom two weeks out is like, so should we meal plan? And I'm like, not until I order groceries. It's so irritating, I'm sure, to other people like who are trying to plan with me. And I'm just like, no, I can't do that right now. Okay, I have a question about that, though, because I'm a future-oriented person. So I don't actually... Planning six months out is a waste of time for me because mm. it's not real. Mm -hmm. So I do like to have my head in the future and the dreaming and planning stuff, but I hate wasting my time. Right. So I know two goes to eight. Is that in a stress. healthy? In stress. Stress. It's in stress. Yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting. I wonder how that connects. Yeah. Sometimes when we're working together, I'm like, whoa, that was your inner eight. Like we clearly <laughs> just touched on <laughs> Cause, cause, because I do think that when we, when you get afraid or concerned mm -hmm. about the future, that the eight comes out like actually pretty fast. Okay. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Like we're picking on Tara. So what do you think about Tara? Let's talk about Tara. <laughs> well, you actually have a good perspective on it. So How much time you got? Yeah. And we got time. <laughs> that makes sense though. Like we do plan, like I handed in a vacation notice at work however many weeks ago and my boss was like, really? You're planning this far out in advance? Like, who does that? And it, but it's it's kind of a weird, you want to be prepared, but you also are kind of at the same point. Like, I, I'm i fine to have the vacation after it's over. You know, like, mm -hmm. I, I don't care what we're doing as long as we get to do something together. It doesn't bother me to plan it. And you're probably good with that, too. Yeah. Like, vacation comes and you just, as long as you're together and you're in the present moment, it's good for you. Yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah. We seem to make a general plan of like, 
let's go to Mexico. And then when we're there, we're like, well, do we want to actually do anything or do we just feel like sitting on the beach all the day? Like, yeah. Yeah. That's like our ideal way of planning a vacation. (laughs) If we pick a destination or something, but like we don't need to plan out the days or anything like that. Yeah. I wonder if sometimes you get in a cycle though where you can't make a decision. Yeah. Because decision making is not your strong suit, Ryan. Very often. And so you would defer to Tara and Tara's like, well, I'm fine right here, right now. And so you would just stay right there, right now. We just ignore it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And like we like just won't do it. Day to day that comes up where, you know, Tara's our finance person. So I'm like, hey, you know, we got to fix the vehicles. And she's like, okay, well, this, I'm busy. So give me a moment to figure something out. And then two days later, I'm like, oh, yeah, by the way, we were going to do that thing. But then, you know, we're always planning it. It's always a later yeah. thing. It's always in the future, right? You're planning to plan it later. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's real. Yeah. But it is helpful to know that. And like, for us to both know what our orientation to time is in our marriage and our life together mm-hmm. when we're planning, making decisions, like it's been really helpful because that is a weak point. Then we're not dreaming about the future all the time. We're not thinking about like we don't need, like we can dream about things, but you're right. It's sometimes inefficient. Even it doesn't mean we accomplish it. I, I feel like it almost comes in waves because like I think about buying this house and it was one of those. It had only been on the market for like a day or two and the night we put an offer in was the same night we saw it and there was already another offer in and it was like, okay, well we have to make a decision. Do we want this or not? And it was just like, yep, we're going for it. We're doing it. Boom, boom, boom. You know, we can move on things and we can get things done, but it just, there has to be almost maybe that push, I guess. The to deadline. Just kind of yeah. Like, yeah. Has to yeah. Be there. Just to do yeah, it. Some pressure. Yeah. Okay. So maybe this is helpful. So I'm going to, before we jump into, into the withdrawn stance, which is your stance, Ryan, We'll pick on you and your pillow fort. When we think about future focused, we're also, when you have one dominant orientation to time, you're repressing another. So there's a, is it the ying? There's a, a, a counter one. So, so for us, and, and we didn't directly say this when we were talking about our orientation to time being the future, uh, us future oriented people repress the past. And you gave a good example of that. Really good, Kristen, of that. So now we take Tara, we go to the, so the dependent stance is repressing the future. So you talked about like, no, the future is stressful. It's ang- mm-hmm. It creates anxiety, it creates all those things. And then we take the withdrawn stance and you're repressing the present. You know, and even as a nine, I would assume, you're repressing the, st- the stress parts of the present moment, like whatever yeah. those are, right? Yeah. In an attempt to make, a, make peace. And I feel like that you saying that I repress the present rings true for me because I always find it weird that I'm past orientated, but I feel like such a dreamer. I like to think of, oh, you know, let's build that cool car or, you know, like what I could be doing tomorrow sort of thing. But when then tomorrow gets there, I'm like, oh, well, whatever. It's like, I look forward to the future. And then when I get there, it's like, oh yeah, well maybe I'll just sit down. So if you can make your way through that water though, right? Then you, you get to experience, you know, a new horizon that's kind of mm-hmm. new and is growing. So the more we look into the past, even though we just talked about how much we don't like, I don't even like to go backwards. Like that's if right. I go to Calgary and this is a real thing, if we, we go for a trip and we're doing a few errands in town and we forgot one and it requires us to actually go backwards. I'm like, it's going to be another day. 
I'm not going backwards. And like sometimes <laughs> I, I wouldn't necessarily do that if it was a block or two. But for a block or two, I'd be very quiet while we drove. You have absolutely done that for a block. <laughs> <laughs> that is real. So, so when you think that way, so what is the peaceful place for you when you think past? I think what rings for me is the nostalgia part of it. Like just uh, I could, you know, listen to music on the way into work and, you know, think about that trip we took or that time my dad came out and we worked on the car or and I can just be in total bliss and be having a great time. Hmm. But I feel like it's also a bit of a double-edged sword too because I can think of that awkward conversation and think about it for 30 to 40 minutes being like, oh man, I'm so weird. But, <laughs> you know. And you would be right. Yeah, yeah, yeah probably. Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Brian McLaren says this. He says, what you focus on determines what you miss. What you focus on determines what you miss. Your orientation to time or where your focus is, uh, when you're focused on on one orientation to time, then we have a disconnect. I, for example, am feeling repressed. Mm -hmm. My orientation mm -hmm. to time protects that. Mm -hmm. So I actually can see value in the memories of my past, I just can't recall them. So when my brothers and sisters, when we get together, I'm the oldest of five, and we talk about our family memories, I rely on my siblings' memories to jog mine. And when they jog them and we start talking, I do remember. I remember, think my brother Todd remembers intricate details like colors and what someone was wearing and where their scab was and <laughs> what bike they had that he wished he had and that kind of thing. And so I don't think I'm actually repressing that. I just don't think it's valuable in protecting my inner child. And that's why I kind of went with the pillow fort analogy because it actually props up and protects the things in me that, that I believe protect me the I'm feeling repressed feelings I don't find helpful or efficient in fact my feelings come out in anger a hundred percent of the time that's too much for people so I got to kind of tone that down a little bit put the pillow for it back up and protect that and being future oriented for me helps me to one not feel bad that I always hurt your feelings <laughs> when I'm talking to you, <laughs> or I overstated something again, or I exaggerated so hard on that <laughs> thing that I said, because I can look to the next interaction and it's going to be better. So for me, when I think past, um, uh, same orientation to time, future oriented I am, but when I think past, I think that my past is actually quite important. The problem is, I, I'm a master reframer and I've reframed out anything painful in it. And so for me, seeing my past with some level of truth is, is the hard work growth. And it, and it does help me to kind of go, oh no, you actually were really a jerk there. Even though I've pretty much reframed that part out, <laughs> right? Or this or that or whatever. So I don't know. I think, I think the thing that we're scared of is usually the thing that we have to lean into. I would say though, I like the idea of the, it's the way we protect ourselves. 
like that is actually helpful language mm-hmm. i need to think about it because for me i'm like i can i can access the past or i can think about and dream about the future but i don't think it's productive thinking for me it's not helpful i need other people around me to help me do that well mm-hmm. and even learn that edge for me because it's just not there and my inclination is to protect myself and i'll just stay right here in this little comfortable moment but reminding me that like when i got to the moments of my future <laughs> that i was afraid mm-hmm. of before and things were okay i need other people to help me do that too and your mind is supposed to protect itself your, your body is designed right. to protect itself so if we go back to the vacation conversation how we do vacations our issue is that um we dream about our holidays and we dream about our vacations and actually you're really good at planning stuff and making sure that there's fun things to happen but when we're actually doing it and and the days tick by i get sadder and Mm -hmm. sadder Mm. and sadder because my future my fun future is becoming past yep and it my last two days of holidays i am so grumpy I hate it. Every time for like 27 years. (laughs) (laughs) It's really, I find it really funny. So Evan does a really good job of planning all these fun things like zip lining and he's got all of the the toys and the tools and all the things that we're going to do. RC cars starting. Yeah. Make sure, you know, get doing all those Mm -hmm. kind of things. And I love that about him. And in figuring out how to enjoy our holidays to the to every point mm-hmm. i don't know what age i will be <laughs> when i can do that i wish i would slow down enough to pay attention to the details of some of the stories of my probably more distant past mm-hmm. but they they leave me if i don't tell them and this is why i like being a preacher a pastor because i get to tell story and i have to vocalize and tell a story for somebody to learn something from it and it helps me to remember it Mm-hmm. but it's not it's it's not the true version of what happened it's the reframed version of what happened so anyways so you guys can only go on holidays with us i guess i guess so that's what yep. we're finding out also yeah. i just wanted to mention i get home from a vacation and i don't have i don't have the sadness at the end of a vacation i don't have the sadness and i get home and i'm fine it's a weird thing mm-hmm. that's a gift see and for me like we were just in Saskatoon visiting my family and driving home is when I was sad. It's like, oh man, it's over. No, you're the same as Kristen. The whole last day, you're super grumpy. Okay, well. <laughs> but you do get to live out now this week. You do get to live out the good parts of, mm-hmm. of your vacation last week. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Those are gone for me. Mm-hmm. So is it about balance then? Trying to balance or just pay attention to the areas that you're... I think so. I think that's exactly what it is. It's not about saying I'm going to turn up my past so that I can live more. Hell, it it is just more about how can I, the orientations to time help us be more connected, I think, to to what is true. They keep us on a level. If you pay attention to yourself. Yeah, Yeah, if we do that work, and that's hard work. What you said, which is, I think you... I need to have the people around me from the other orientations to time or the other triads on the Enneagram to help me see. But if I have the people around me who would ask the questions, how was your holiday? 
then I actually do have to go, it was fine, or it was hard, or whatever, to be able to process what happened in my life. So we can't go through life alone. We have to go through life in community in order to be fully whole as a human. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's true for me because like I find at work I've had enough training that I can be in the present and I know what I need to do next and I have steps and routines and things like that. But when I come home and I have to fix the car or put in the new smoke detector or whatever the project is, I always get caught up in what that process is, what the present what I should be doing because I go up to the garage to grab tools and suddenly I find myself in there for 45 minutes cleaning and I'm avoiding the task or whatever or I've just lost myself in something else I don't know which way to point myself in that present moment to just continue going so that's I think you're right to have Tara around to be like hey are you done cleaning or can you actually change that smoke detector now like (laughs) you know it's like hey Hey, little fella, come on back here. There's yeah. tools on the floor in the hallway upstairs. Yeah. You know, it's like, I think for me, it's a funny thing because I love doing tasks. I, I like getting at it and starting things. Oh, I will get things going. I'll get them 97% Let's done. Let's say 75. <laughs> and then I move on and start another task. Mm-hmm. So for me, the I've, I've already started thinking what's the next task before I've completed the one I'm in. You, like, uh, wander off. Yeah. Before starting. Yeah. And I'm like, or, I'm just going to get on to the next thing. Yeah, cause... or I start the thing and then wander or whatever <laughs> yeah. it is. Like, yeah. Well, and what's interesting about that, if any of you come over to me and are like, hey, could you help me with this? I will drop what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. But I could, I could put down what I'm doing to start something else. Which is quickly. exactly why I hire only twos. <laughs> To work with she, me. It's a she can uh, you also and this is probably uh, related to your orientation to time and in being the present you also can like literally stop doing one thing like because you know maybe our listeners don't know but you work for me mm-hmm. at the church or with me at the church and you work with Kristen at little w and you can literally like go from one job and like within a second like this happened this week I was like okay we need to get some work done I'm still like gathering up what I'm going to do to get to begin reading for my study for my sermon. And you are just typing away like crazy. <laughs> and you've moved on. You're like literally doing a little W thing. Mm-hmm. Because the present moment was just, it just happened so fast for you. This is, this. it's kind of a rando thing. I just don't think I could do it. It's a gift. Yeah, it's a gift. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask her, like, how can this help other people? Like how does knowing your orientation of time or how can you pay attention to it in your life? Why is this important? We kind of touched on it, but I'm just curious about like in terms of like change and healing and work, like all of those things, parenting, all of that. Here's where I would say it's helpful for me. I, I weigh a little bit in terms of my actual health in, in what I'm presently doing. So when I start, dreaming about all the opportunities that I could take advantage of in my future and start even sometimes planning those things out, I actually realize something's wrong. Like even when I think something's going on at the church or something's difficult, I don't know how to go through. Then I start thinking, well, 
what if I went and built houses or what if I, whatever. And for me, it's hard sometimes to know what are the dreams that I'm, I'm to live into and what are the dreams that are just a fantasy land that give me a, a break from what's happening. And they're all not related to what I am presently supposed to be doing. Is it that your future thinking becomes escapism versus yeah. just yes. the next thing? I think yeah. one of the ways that thinking about orientation to time and stances has been helpful for me, and I would say us this year, is our son um, is 24 and he's doing repressed. And we are not doing repressed. And so needing to to live in the same house with him while he literally did nothing to move his life forward according to us. Somehow I had to find this like love and compassion for him, but learning how people see when they're doing repressed, how that feels and how being past oriented builds his pillow fort gave us some of the words we needed and I wouldn't say we necessarily were the catalyst. There actually was a girl that was a catalyst <laughs> to him. Always is. Always <laughs> is. <laughs> Getting to, from from stuck to unstuck. Mm -hmm. But we went through this last COVID time with him in the house all the time doing nothing. And we kept our relationship intact because of, I think, our ability to have some compassion. He actually doesn't see the days that strung together where he did nothing. Mm -hmm. So being able to have compassion for him and to ask questions in a way that was like compelling him to think about what he wanted to have for his future. Mm -hmm. Well, in hearing you say those stories, I kind of fall on those same lines. I am also doing repressed and past orientated. And I figured out that I need a routine and I have to set small goals for myself. So if I come home from work and my one goal for the day is to take out the garbage and that's it. I've done that goal or do the dishes or whatever chore or whatever thing I'm going to set up for myself. But I have to have that kind of goal for myself every day because I find I'll go on a binge and I'll just, I'll do the same thing. I'll play video games for an entire week or whatever. And then, you know, a couple days after that, I'll just feel really kind of down on myself because it's like, oh man, I didn't do anything. And just keep that cycle going because it's like, well, I already didn't do it and now I feel <laughs> crappy. So I might as well just sit down and not do it again. I can't, I'm not orientated to the future. So instead of just like doing the thing and setting the goal and being fine with it, I think about it afterwards like, oh man, I wish I didn't do that. What's so interesting about you and is you do get a lot of things done. Mm -hmm. well, do, doing repress doesn't mean you don't do things. Yeah, that's it right. Right? It, it's not my first this, instinct. Yeah, yeah, and everything has the same value. I don't. I can't even tell you the number of nines that I know. This is not you because you're married to Tara. But the <laughs> number of nines I know who don't file their taxes. Yeah, I have an accountant. Yeah, you just, have just to. Sidebar like, disclaimer. If you're doing repressed and t filing taxes mm -hmm. is lame. Nobody wants to do it. Uh -huh. It happens every year. It's relentless and it costs money and it sucks. Yep. It's because everything <laughs> has the same value. Brushing your teeth has the same value at, as filing your taxes, as playing video games, as playing mm -hmm. with your kid. Mm -hmm. So if you're not 
um, thoughtful about it. Like you said, you figured out a way to almost trick yourself into doing the right thing at the right time. You can go a long time without filing your taxes. Yeah. You need other people, I think, in your life Mm -hmm. to for it to matter. So you love Tara, you love Theo, so you're gonna Mm -hmm. do the things that benefit them. Mm -hmm. If you don't have other people in your life who challenge you or or you love that you have to like live outside yourself for that's the same for me i respond in anger but i love my husband and my children mm-hmm. so i for them i stop that and think and i think those are some of the things you got, do you have anything to add to that before we that was actually really helpful i found it helpful too and i was just thinking like i get the benefit of working with both of you that are future oriented so i actually do get to be around people who helped me think that way. Who live in a fantasy land. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but when you're healthy and you're doing that, like I actually can come to you with like, we like we bought this house and we talked to you guys about it before we mm-hmm. did that. Mm-hmm. Like we actually do ask the advice of that. And we didn't know at the time you were, we all had different orientations at the time. That wasn't something we knew or were working on. But now when I think back, those are examples of when we've invited you in to help us dream about some of those future things that yeah. we have a blind spot i guess in even a part of you know when you think about adoption you think about adopting theo and some of those things it's like it can be hard to dream about a future that if you're not a future oriented person also i'm pretty sure you you moved here you know because of us because we're awesome (laughs) just wanted to be i mean is that even a question yeah i don't i didn't i wanted to say it for a listener's sake not for anyone in this room's sake but (laughs) anyways hey there are there are some good resources that are out there if you want to think orientation to time and so if you're listening and you're like oh man something got said here that was kind of interesting uh we're susan stabil fans uh, I just love the way that she words things. You know, she is a two, so she, she connects really well with kind of what Tara's saying, and she's intriguing to me. The emotional aspect of kind of how Susan talks about the Enneagram is kind of cool. And she did do an episode uh, on it. Uh, it's actually, uh, it's called, it's, it's just The Enneagram Journey is her podcast, and you can listen uh, to episode 50 on orientation to time. And, and we'll link it. talk about it. Yeah, we'll link it in yeah. the in the bio and um, so anyways, I I'm so glad you guys decided to join us. Yeah, thank whether you. you were, whether yeah. you were fully agreed or didn't agree, Kristen, to be here, I appreciate it. I'm not sure what <laughs> internal struggle you were going through, Ryan, but we really are glad that you decided to be kind of a part of what we're up to and and so if you're listening, uh, be brave, be self aware, and learn something about yourself uh, today, maybe even your orientation to time. And keep your stick on the ice. Keep your stick on the ice. (laughs) And thanks for listening. Hey, thanks for joining us. We'd love if you'd take a moment to rate, subscribe, and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Again, thanks for listening.